Tennessee Titans talk. We have to have this conversation because I think our fan base is this. This is a pretty common refrain. We're playing Saturday. It's going to be cold here by Nashville standards. Very cold. I wonder what kind of. I wonder what kind of crowd we're going to have. <laughs> Landon has told us yesterday, hey, I, I'm not going to go. What's the response, Landon? Because I know you love this team. I know you love the sport. I know you love hanging out with us. You're not going to be there Saturday. It's just a simple cost-benefit analysis to where the benefit is I get to see you guys. I get to be in what little crowd we have. I get to see the game in person. The cost is the ticket, driving down there where we're going to have some, we might have some bad weather. The time spent getting down there. <laughs> And then the emotional energy of one having to sit outside in that freezing cold weather for hours on end to watch Todd Downing call plays. Yeah, I and knew it was is, coming to Downing. And that is it isn't gets, really the weather. It's I found, isn't that it's Christmas Eve. It's that it's Downing's place. I, I, I found it. I found one legitimate con in there. The rest sound like pros to me. Well, you've had time. I imagine you printing out your cost benefit analysis, big fella, on your like old school <laughs> inkjet printer that has like green and white paper. What what does your cost benefit analysis say? <sighs> you know, watch this dumpster fire, or you know, get to wrap Christmas gifts and bake. Christmas dinner with my family. <laughs> Landon is ever going to be accused of being the most romantic um, Titans fan, <laughs> but he's not wrong and no. he's not alone. I, I've seen on social media a lot beginning of the week, right? Have y'all seen this? Like, here are my tickets, $75 oh, each. Today it's I like, s- here are my tickets, $75 total. It's I, like, I literally saw some for free today. I mean, yeah, so I've seen nobody that. wants to go to this game. Yeah. yeah, if it weren't Christmas Eve, I would think about going, even though it's we've got so many injuries and the, the team is falling apart in front of our eyes and Todd Downing is still employed and it's going to be freezing. If it weren't Christmas Eve, like if it were the 23rd instead of the 24th, I would think about it some more. But it being right. the 24th, I'm just like, I know I'm going to be miserable. I can just sit at home on the couch, cuddled up in a blanket. I've got Red Zone going. Watch well, your Santa I, tracker. Yeah, I was just going to say, and you got to prep for Santa. Yeah, I'm not freezing my off i can distract myself from the todd downing offense by watching all the all the offensive highlights on red zone like that meme of spongebob where squidward is looking out he's not gonna make it on red zone are you crazy (laughs) yeah it's it's like that meme from spongebob where squidward's looking out the window when spongebob and patrick are having fun playing jellyfish (laughs) that's times fans because we don't get to see what an actual fun (laughs) offense looks like we just get to watch red zone and be like wow that'd be cool imagine if we had a good offense i know we're trying to make a lot of it but i mean it's not a fun season it's not a fun time of year We've we've always been workmanlike on offense, always. But this is a low, and I and I think we know that it could have been better. And we talked about that on previous episodes about why and, and a lot of the reasons why I got a guy fired last month. But yep. big fella, you know, it's it really is uh, as difficult as it has been for you and I since we've had tickets to be motivated to go. Yeah. And I think Titans fans share that, and not all of us. And we are still going to be there, you and I. But I understand people that don't want to go. I think we need to go and support this team. And, and we do this to hang out with each other. When you get to a certain age, you only got so much time to be with your friends. So t- to heck with the cold and the bad team and the bla- bad bad play calling. But, I mean, I'm really interested, big fella, to see what this crowd is like Saturday. Yeah, and who knows? I mean, it, it is weird to have a game on Christmas Eve, and especially between two teams who, like, I honestly would rather watch the Santa Tracker, but you're right. This, these are our boys in blue. Um, granted, we're not the two and fourteen team that we've been in the past, but honestly, I think we're a little bit harder to watch right now. 
you know, we'll get into some positives. I think we'll get into some positives in a couple minutes. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty tough to be a Titans fan right now, just because when you start to look at the roster, you start to look at our last four games that we've lost. You can kind of see that. You, you, I mean, obviously, you can see how it happened, and you don't have to be oh, somebody. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to be as plugged in as us to look at it and be like, oh, well, Dennis Daly's a joke. Uh, Aaron Brewer is. You know, it should be playing oh, yeah. you just have you know, to D3 the football. Yeah. It's really weird to be in this situation and say, hey, we're in a downward spiral, and, and, but we're not a bad team because you can see the opportunity with this team. And you can see well, that yeah, I mean, some they of got the pieces down, of the they roster. They only got beat in overtime uh, 2,500 yeah. miles away from home. But the weaknesses are glaring. They didn't do little or nothing to help their weaknesses last year. Yeah. The problems we had last year, we were constantly injured. We had vanilla play calling. Okay, got us beat at home in one of our best chances to make a Super Bowl. Well, we turned around and we just doubled down on that. We took away our second best playmaker, maybe our best playmaker moving forward. We stayed loyal to a fault. It, we all know that you're saying looking back we know exactly why we've all seen it unfold that's yep. why land is looking to unplug it is hard to watch <laughs> yeah we've um, seen this movie before and we, you know, have, we know how but we know how it goes yeah you mentioned the the times always being workman like even last year when we were more injured and there was more turmoil there's still that heart and energy and spirit to the team to where like down the stretch it was Tannehill throwing to nobodies and Deontay Foreman was coming off the street and doing what he could on offense and the defense was piecing it together it was a similar situation to this year now luckily last year Simmons Autry and Landry all stayed healthy and that kind of formed the foundation of the defense to keep us afloat but otherwise last year we went through more injuries we cycled through more players the lows of the offense were as bad as this year's but there's still that energy in that heart and the team kept fighting and finding a way and we just don't have that I mean like last year that Dolphins game even with A.J. Brown being a non-factor, that game was a blast because the defense was healthy enough and was tough and the elements were in our favor and the offense was just run the ball over and over and over and do enough. And even though you could tell this was a very flawed team that had some very glaring weaknesses, it was a fun team to root for. It was fun to watch the defense go out there and punch above its weight. It was fun watching the offense piece together wins it had no business winning. And this year, it's like whatever magic or juice we have has just gone away and everyone's just kind of going through the motions. Yeah, I mean, last year we were 12 and 5, which, I mean, if you if you could tell me we could be 12 and 5 right now, I would be tell you to pinch me. I mean, and last year, when you look at the the games that we did win, you know, we beat the Bills. I mean, how thrilling was that? I remember that. We beat the Chiefs. We smoked them. Beat the Colts in overtime. We went to the Rams and beat them. Uh, we beat the Saints. That was a fun game. I mean, there were some awesome wins. And like you said, coming down the stretch, we beat a pretty hot San Francisco team. We beat the Dolphins. I mean, there were quality wins. We were competitive. We lost to some teams we definitely shouldn't have, which is, I guess, the MO for every season for us. We lost to that poopy Jets team. But yeah, I mean, last year, we were competitive. We were fun to watch. There were things to hang our hat on. This year, I don't know. When Henry went out, it was no longer, we'll just let Henry carry us. He's our crutch. It was, oh crap, I only have NFL running backs off the street. I'm going to have to switch things <clears throat> up. And legitimately down the stretch, like he started to get better. Like You could see the, the flaws in his play calling and his conservatism, but also we didn't have a great offensive line. A.J. Brown was out and our receiver room was pretty much dead because Julio never played. And he was still finding enough. Like Deontay Foreman was on the street for like a year and a half. He comes in. He's one of the hotter running backs down the stretch. He has like 300 yards 
our games. Hilliard mm-hmm. comes off the street, becomes a really, val- a really valuable contributor and sticks over on to this year. And this year, it's just like, oh, he has Henry, so he thinks... Okay, I'm just going to use Henry over and over and over. Except when it's obvious, like this past game when we had like two or three third and third and twos, where it's <laughs> obvious Derrick Henry territory, and he takes Derrick Henry out of the game. Yeah, you'll have to explain that one to me because that's just well, something that I'll never get. If it's one thing, and I know it's more than one thing, if if it's one thing more than any, we had similar issues, but wound up twelve and five, and we're we were really good down the stretch last year. What is the fundamental difference that we've lost four in a row, whereas we won like six in a row? Is it the play calling? Is it the lack of AJ Brown? Is it the constant injuries? We had the injuries, and that's the biggest thing for me. If we don't do something with about our staff our non-coaching staff, and we don't change that after three years in a row of this, that's going to make me more mad than if we keep the same play caller. I mean, that that drives me crazy. But, because at some point, enough is enough. We're going to one of the most every year injured teams of all time mm-hmm. every year. Yep. So if it's one thing, John, and then you land it, if it's one thing quickly, like, what's the difference this year? For me, I point to the offensive line. We were criticizing the offensive line last year, but I would beg for last year's line over this one. We had a health, a relatively healthy, healthy Taylor Lewan. We had Roger Saffold. Yeah, he got injured in the first quarter of every damn game, but he was big, gigantic, moved people, and he played well with Taylor. We had Questenberry, who I never, ever in my life thought I would be praising, but man, he makes... He looks like an all-pro compared to Dennis Daly. But we yeah. had that offensive line, and, and we were able to move people. That's how Foreman and Hilliard were able to be successful. We gave them holes. We gave them, you know, opportunities. And Derrick Henry was on pace for well over, well over this year. He had 900 yards and yeah. eight games. I think that's the number one thing to me. When you look at it now, like the arrogance and the just maybe – gross negligence of running this offensive line out there they have survived by the skin of their teeth last year and in other years but it, it you're right big fella their number was this year and it made them all look so bad because the daily thing i'm picking on a guy for he can't you know but like i, I blame the people that put him in that position more that, oh, that, that for sure. is ridiculous how did they not know this was going to happen yeah well i mean honestly it's a credit to dennis daily because if i had gotten beat the way he is i just I would not be in the right mental space to go out and prep for every game. I could not do it. He is historically bad. I think we he's like the 40, maybe the 41st ranked left tackle um, in the league this year. Yeah. I don't want to pile on him too much, but he's the worst pass protector in PFF history. Like, so right now he's allowed the most pressures along with both of Kansas City's tackles. The problem there is that Kansas City has passed more than 200 times more than us. And so when you make it into a rate stat, he gives up a sack on 2.8% of his dropbacks. It's like one in every 30 passing plays, just roughly, he's allowing a sack. And that's with him getting a lot of chip help and help in general. And you're going to see it on the field. Because, I mean, like, in the Jags game, when Trevon when Trevon Walker strip-sacked Tannehill, mm-hmm. Chig chipped Trevon Walker for, like, a full second. And Daly just isn't even looking at him. He's not even blocking when he's looking to help Brewer, and Brewer's doing fine. Then he swings his head back around when he's gotten chip help, and Walker just blows by him. And it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, there were countless times in the Chargers game where he did the same exact thing. And honestly, the chip help actually made it worse for him because he's so slow at 
and his hips are like made of concrete and it just gives that pass rusher a a, a bigger gap to bull rush him yeah and, and it's yeah, it's not ugh. it's not his fault that he sucks so bad and he's always on the field because he's not <laughs> no making it's not the, his yeah, fault he's not making no. the coaches play him no he that's the thing of it people give him a hard time i think they need to make more fun of the whoever and i guess that person's been fired that said yeah we'll run out here with daily it's like daily should be a marginal nfl player at best a swing tackle and i think he knows that and carolina knew that where he came from i don't blame daily i really don't we've met our match they figured out trayvon walker is a rookie boy they knew what they were doing jacksonville is they don't look like world beaters to me i mean everybody's gonna drink the kool-aid there but they are riding positive momentum they have a good tough quarterback that's sort of figuring it out and they, they're getting their wheels underneath them they're gonna close strong by their standards and we i don't think we are let's talk about the texans game on saturday we played them what six seven weeks ago they were the worst team i could remember us playing <laughs> they were awful they have looked real scrappy in a few games and they have less talent not more because they've had some injuries too give me y'all's perception of them and uh, landon if you have it what's the line on this game for saturday you know, the Texans are not good, but like you said, they're playing scrappy. They took Kansas City to the wire. They took Dallas to the wire. And those are two, you know, right now, driver's seat playoff teams. The, and the Texans, you know, Landon's getting to the injuries and to, to the line, but they don't have many people at all to even play. I mean, they're worse off than we are. I mean, they, they have a better offensive line, but yeah, they don't have talent. It's just amazing that we're going to walk into this game. I don't think any Titans fan who knows about the team has a positive feeling about this game even and we we beat them pretty pretty handedly last time the score may not reflect it but yeah, yeah we um, sleepwalked to a win yeah I, it was it was close for maybe like five minutes then we had like three 10 yard runs it was like okay it's over but <laughs> getting to to this coming up this coming game because as the texans have kind of stayed where they are at the very bottom of the nfl we have fallen a long way we're only a three-point favorite so we're a seven and seven team going against a team that is one 12 and one that is just awful across the board in every single way and we're only a three-point favorite <laughs> i think it's funny i was looking more at the line it opened at five which yeah that, that seemed rich uh, to begin with well even still right i mean even still i mean you but would yeah, it's think like, it's like at home it's a 500 team with derrick henry and some good players it's like we should at least be a touchdown with how bad they are at least and it's gonna be two degrees out like yeah. uh, how are we not at least seven point favorites because we we are looking horrible and it's just embarrassing but but the yeah it opened at five the over mm-hmm. under is 35.5 which somehow is only the second worst this week the worst <laughs> is Saints at Browns because it's supposed to be even worse up there. Oh, well, I heard they're supposed to have 35 mile an hour winds. Yeah, I heard that that in Chicago too. So at least we aren't like the Northeast or like, I guess like North, whatever that Chicago, Cleveland, the Lake Michigan area is. Because as bad as it being like five degrees at kickoff on Saturday is supposed to be, I'm sure the people of Chicago would beg for it compared to it being like negative 11. Yeah, but did you say 35 degree winds? Seriously? 35, 35 mile an hour winds is supposed to be that in, in Cleveland this weekend. Oh, Cleveland, woof. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, having been in that stadium, you remember we went in a September day and you can feel that lake effect and that breeze. And I mean, it felt glorious at the time, but I can imagine mid-December, late December, doesn't feel so glorious. This podcast is brought to you by the Cleveland uh, Chamber of Commerce. 
<laughs> Come visit our crap city. Yeah. Check out our weird casino in the middle of downtown where you can find uh, the lowest of life forms. So if we lose this game Saturday, are you guys are just going to be totally checked out like Jacksonville's going to, that's, it's just over, right? Is, have point. you guys considered that? And I, Landon, do you honestly feel like we'll lose this game Saturday? It's not guaranteed because Houston is so bad and because Derrick Henry... I mean, like, I talked to you about this because we were talking about some fantasy stuff and you were wanting to use Henry. I was saying, yeah, I, I know it's sacrilegious to say this, but when you look at the offensive line we're going to try it out, which we'll get to in a bit, it's like even Derrick Henry against the Texans in almost zero degree weather outdoors, it's like, I get, the guy can only do so much at some point against NFL caliber players. Like, they lost in the last minute to the Tex- to the Cowboys. They lost in overtime to the Chiefs after they had the ball with a chance to win the game. They're hungry for a win because at this point they haven't won in two months they're almost assured the first overall pick they have been embarrassed and the laughing stock of the league because they're going to have their third coach they've been tanking for two years and it's just a no man's land there they want to win like NFL yeah. players want to win and guess they what? can literally be the ultimate spoiler they can literally change the course of the division championship and take it and out still of get hands. the first pick <laughs> they yeah, can do right. both so, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it's pretty much impossible if they have three games left they could even if they went two and one they'd still have the first overall pick and i doubt they're winning two more games this is the perfect chance for them to get a win and have some good vibes like i mean this is christmas eve this if you're a texans player don't you want to spend christmas day flying back after your first win in two months you beat a tennessee team that's been beating your for the last several years yeah just like jacksonville and they saw jacksonville do it it's the same thing last week jacksonville had no pressure Mm -hmm. and houston has no pressure and they're not gonna hurt their pick they're gonna go in and try to win this game they smell blood this is the time because we've beaten these teams pretty regularly for a while now guys let's talk injuries because we have to because this team is constantly hurt (laughs) Tannehill. Is he done for the season? Uh, who else is not going to be here Saturday? Both sides. All right. So from what I can tell, it looks like Tannehill is done for the year. It hasn't been confirmed, but it's looking like he'll need surgery for the new ankle injury he got. He got rolled up on Sunday. It was his left ankle. His right which, ankle got ro- rolled up earlier this year. So yeah. So which let's po- let, let's again not to dish on Dennis Daly too bad, but. Tannehill's ankles are directly attributed to Dennis Daly getting smoked, and it just is not fair to a veteran quarterback like Tannehill, who has played pretty well considerably, to be in this position because of us being unable to field a left tackle or to field an offensive line in general. And it, well, the thing is, on this play, I, I believe it was he got he got rolled up on while he was scrambling because like Mac took him down weird. It wasn't like well, a sack, but the first time was a sack. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, still, like these ankle issues are compounding. Like every single week, he's just getting destroyed because Dennis Daly is getting murdered it's so unfortunate nathan do you want to go ahead and have this conversation now or do you want to leave it till after the injury report about tanhill's future with us uh i'd say now let's talk about it now because i think uh, obviously i think most titans fans sort of given up on this season even though obviously it may come down to a showdown in a few weeks we all know that we're not very optimistic about what would come after that even if we win so i think on the hearts and mind of a lot of titans fan is Who's going to be back? So let's start with Tannehill. I don't know because I don't want to be super reactionary and have this big Doomer mentality, even though I've pretty much already gone there. But I mean, like we talked about this iteration, the Titans met its ceiling and 
more than met its ceiling. It has just so many gaping cracks in the roster. Just having one more year of Tannehill just to kind of bridge it and keep us a little bit better than we would be otherwise doesn't seem that helpful to me because I know we talk about this offseason, if we invest literally everything into the offensive line in the receiver room, we could kind of scrape together something and be back to make a division a division title push a wild card push and then you get to the playoffs anything happens maybe the injury luck finally swings the other way that's just asking so much because we need a new left tackle a new left guard maybe a new center and probably a new a new wide receiver too there just aren't that many guys like you look to the free agency market no one good at these positions hits free agency because people because teams are realizing hey if we have a good one it's better to have a surplus than not enough. And so they're hoarding these guys. And so the only way you can get them is to draft them. And it's hard to consistently find offensive contributors later on. And so next year, I mean, how much could we feasibly fix the offensive line to where it's no longer sabotaging the season? Free like, agency, yeah. no no good linemen they get to free agency, very few. So I, I think reasonably you can't expect to overhaul something. Like you've seen Kansas City and Cincinnati throw big time money and big resources at it just to become league average. So that's the best we could hope to yeah, do. But, but we don't but have Pat Mahomes yeah. and we don't have Joe Burrow. So but like I agree, draft. I don't know how good we can get. But also Kansas City drafted an all-pro center in the second round, and then Trey Smith in the sixth round, who's like a starter. So you need that kind of like You need to draft two guys. And they gave draft picks yeah. ups for Orlando Brown just to get a little bit yeah. above average. So I don't know. That's the only way we'll have to go all in just to get a better, not way better. It's not, well, this they, is not 15 years like ago. Like one of these guys, too. I mean, like we're talking about getting multiple. We're, we're looking at left tackle, left guard, and center. Who knows about right tackle or right guard if we really think that the future is with NPF or um, Nate Davis? Uh, Dave, yeah, Nate Davis. But yeah, so yeah it's, just it's crazy. Back to Tannehill, so if we move on from him, we save 18 million. And now that's not going to fix the roster. I mean, 18 million is it's a serious player. Like that is more than half of extending Simmons. It's above, it's above average receiver if one so happened to hit the open market or if you wanted to trade for one. It's a high-end pass rusher. It's just money to have because I, I think of it as an NBA analogy. Right now, if we bring back Tannehill next year, we're going to be incredibly middle of the pack and stuck with nowhere to go because we have some very big flaws, not a lot of young talent to kind of propel us to the next level, but we also have enough talent to where we're not going to bottom out with Tannehill kind of keeping the offense afloat to where it kind of ends up being a lost season because for this team that is veteran laden that has a veteran coach that has had some that has had three playoff runs a one seed an afc championship chain appearance just getting better and getting experience and trying to compete for the wild card isn't valuable for that kind of team when we were in Mariota's second and third year and we were fighting to go from the bottom of the league to the playoffs. That's good because we were a super young team. No one had experience. We had young talent that needed to get better. So you want to push the envelope of how good that team can be. This team, we know what it can be. It needs to be reset. And so for me, I would prefer if Tannehill did not come back next year, whether it be we cut him or we trade him to a team that will do him right that has receivers around him, that actually has an offensive line around him, and let him have a third stop in his career. Because we've seen, even this year, when things have been so bad, he's been on the right side of the average quarterback. In the past, he's been a top 10 quarterback. Like, I don't know 
how well, or if the Jets would want him, but you stick him on the Jets, you give him all those receivers, you give him a good offensive yeah. line, a great run game. He's taking them to the playoffs, no problem. And that elite yep. defense, he would be a really yeah. good pickup for them, and it would be doing him right. Well, here's the thing. I think people, fans assume, well, we'll get rid of this quarterback and we'll draft another one. You know, a lot of teams, and even we did, go years without a consistent quarterback. So I don't Look know. At Indy. He's not our problem. He's not our problem. So I don't think Malik Willis is ready. We don't really know what his developmental potential is. I just think it'd be so unwise. He's one of the few things that we have. Things could happen. It seems kind of, I don't know, we have a lot of work to do on that offensive line and with our injury stuff and with our play calling. But I don't know. Giving away assets seems dumb. But heck, we did it last offseason, obviously. So we'll see. I think a lot of Titans fans Sunday were so, and I know they put up a good fight, but it was just more of the same. At the end of that Chargers game, we were thinking, like, how good could our draft pick be? We know that if we make the playoffs, we'll probably pick around 22. And if we lose the next three games, we'll probably pick about 11, maybe 12? 11, 12, give or take. And I know this isn't an NBA podcast, but it really has to cross your mind because there's just no hope. What are we going to do? Just back into the playoffs and maybe beat Jacksonville down there? Or... If we do that and we kind of hang in there, we're going to be picking late teens, even if we lose. John, I know you are a let's go, let's win. And I'm not saying we should try to win these games, but is there some relief to the fact that, I mean, we know what what could be there at 11 and we know what could be there at 22. Are you tempted any way to kind of go down that road? Yes, I am tempted to go down the road and never thought I'd hear myself say that because I love this team. We want to win every damn game we can. And I still want to win on Saturday, but it's tempting to be like, all right, get to that 11, that between that 10 and 12 pick range and start to just re- reload for the future. Cause we, uh, you know, we've talked for the last few years about where our window is and how we're loaded with talent at certain positions. And, you know, we've kind of seen this roster turn over quite a bit and we're just devoid of talent at this point. We don't have everything that we need, but we have some important cornerstone pieces. We have Harold Landry. We still have Bayard. I've seen so many people calling for us to trade Bayard and Henry like that. To me, that's stupid. That's stupid. Just, you know, sit back in your seat, understand that, uh, that we have, those are our cornerstone guys. They're not going anywhere. They're going to stay. And that's how we're going to build this team. That's how we're going to be good. We are going to ride Derrick Henry until his legs literally fall off. And you know, the same thing with Bayard, they are the identity of this team. And that will not change. Yeah, as as doom and gloom as it is, th- we are miles beyond the 2014-2015 teams in terms of, I guess, compared to the this recent, the win streak of what, five, six, seven straight years of a winning year, it does suck just seeing how far this team has fallen. But it's like, we have at least four or five guys on each side of the ball include and I'm including like we re-signed Nate Davis and David Long it's like we have several either blue chip talents or foundational pieces to build around to where the problem on this team isn't the high-end talent it's the depth because the 2020 and 2021 draft classes are pretty much total waste not yet they produced nothing they might have produced one starter each Fulton who can't stay healthy and Moulton who missed all this year that's all you get out of like 14 picks and eight of them we're in the first four rounds. And so when you miss that badly, your team is really going to be missing the depth. And that's what's been killing us even more than the injuries is 
Mm-hmm. Even when we're fully healthy, it's like the eighth, ninth guy. It's no longer that strength that we used to have. Where it's like, I mean, even twenty, even twenty twenty one last year when they got healthy, especially on the defense, is like our backup corner was battle tested because all our guys were injured. And he was really good, and we've got a really good third pass rush and all this. Now and this year, it's like, I mean, do you really trust any of these guys? It's something where it's not a complete tear down, rebuild it from the ground up. This is a one and a half good off season to restock the roster and get back into dark horse territory because there is talents there is foundational pieces now you just need to flesh out the roster we're not building from the ground up when we only have three players and everyone else sucks we're not having to yeah build a team from scratch that's what Ooh. i was saying earlier it's like it would take a lot but if we really cared and went all in i mean look i look today at upcoming free agent linemen don't look at that list i implore you guys listening at home Nate davis might be the best one just it's sad but other teams figured out to a certain degree we went 12 and 5 last year big fellow with not much more but just more than what we have now i'm okay with going and getting our brains beat out or somebody coming here and beating us because a lot of people say oh well we can't win the super bowl it's like well i still want to go and have a puncher's chance in a playoff game and ultimately the draft pick is the draft pick and then next year i want to see a team like other teams they just kind of try i want to see that passion and i want to see the desperation i think that's what hurt a lot of fans last season and what made you so enraged it's like dennis daly huh we're just gonna run dennis daly at it we're not gonna beg some of these guys that have just retired or don't have we're not gonna beg these guys on a team we're just this is happening, huh? This, this is your good. That's kind of was your. This is your the beginning of the season, right? It was this like on a second. It's like so. This is what we're we're doing. This. It's like the first time I took my cousin, who basically lives in the woods. I told him about Uber. Went to concert like eight years ago. He'd never heard of it. He lives in, lives in like Maine, and he was like, "We're just gonna get in this stra- stranger's car. We're just doing this, huh? We're we're just walking right <laughs> in this." And that's what you were like. It was like, yeah. So Dennis Daly and Brewer, huh? That's right. the left this, side. This is this just is, so we all just so I know that we're all the to this well john robinson didn't think it was as big of a deal as we is and he's you know probably figuring out how to work a podcast now too number one i I do that's what worries me is like are we gonna do are they gonna make us run this back again because if they don't fire the people that can't get these guys healthy and ready if they can't fire that part of the staff and if they can't get a better play caller and if they uh, can't just have some sense of urgency about the offensive line and receiver then i i don't think i can't be that excited for this next year they can't make magic happen they can't make a miracle happen but i want to see some urgency well and john robinson let's get one thing clear he did not sleep easy every night knowing that dennis daly was the left tackle after seeing what we saw he had those skeletons in his closet you know he may have played it cool on the surface and acted like he was gm of the century but you you'd have to be an idiot not to look at Dennis Daly and understand that is not the solution and like we were saying before like this is the NFL the National Football League and this is your solution this is the best that you have no no sir and you know he knew it he can't hide behind it 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 was one of the things that sealed the deal for me for J-Rob to go it you know fool me once shame on me fool me twice shame on you and speaking of losing out and getting the best draft pick possible so just kind of eyeballing it so this draft class doesn't really strike me as far as the blue chip prospects go like 2020 looks to be historically great like you've got all these amazing players going around the 10th and 15th picks it's not that but what is good is that the best receivers the best tackles are generally like they start to go in that clump around like the 8 to 12 pick range so if we lose out which is very possible because i don't think any of us have much if any hope for the cowboys game which is just going to be a nightmare 
on national TV. Well, hold on. Before we get too deep, I don't know if it's a real possibility, but it, it, it's a it's a pipe dream. What if Malik Willis comes in and provides some sort of weird magical spark and we rattle off three W's? Does that change your outlook? Yes, I mean, well, yeah, definitely. If, because I am a huge Willis believer. I want him to get his chance. That's part of the reason why I said earlier, like, I would like to see Willis get his chance to start a full season, have the full offense around him. Because if he has three straight wins with, obviously it'll depend on the context of the wins as well, but like three straight wins with this bad of an offensive line with just Burks out there and to do it against the Cowboys who are going to be on him in a split second after the snap and to go down to Jacksonville when they have all the momentum and want to make the playoffs and then steal it out from there under their nose. If he has... Three performances where he leads us to victory, and then we get a playoff game. And if we get a playoff game against the Ravens, that is a very winnable playoff game. It would probably be the ugliest playoff game in many, many years, <laughs> but we'd have a chance. That would feel really good because if we win three straight games, either the defense turns into the 85 Bears or Willis <laughs> or Willis plays really well. And if Willis plays really well, I'm good with that because there's two things I want to happen. Well, and that's the future, right? Yeah. That's oh, yeah. why you're good with it. I want the draft pick to be as high but as possible. But isn't Willis stacked, even if he's good, just like Tannehill was? Isn't he in an impossible situation, even if he is good? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, we saw like the flashes in the Chiefs game when he had those three great deep balls that got dropped. It's like, you can see him being good and us still losing, especially because our defense is so banged up and hurt now and the offensive line is worse. But to me, the main thing I want is... The highest possible draft picks. I want to be having our pick of the top offensive tackles and receivers instead of hoping that one of the top tier fall to us or having to pick between the second tier who all have their issues. That I want Willis to prove that he has what it takes to be the future because I really do think so. The Houston game wasn't great, but it's his very first game on short notice. The Chiefs game, his flaws, his pocket presence flaws rid their ugly head. But he threw some amazing balls when his wide receiver one was Woods and his two was Chris Conley. I just think he's getting Burks back and it won't be pretty, but just have Willis, him rolling out, using his legs, just chucking it up to Burks. Well, yeah, we're giving Chig opportunities now, too. Yeah. I'm I'm a believer in Willis, and I would love nothing more for him to catch fire and beat and win three straight games and lead us to the playoffs and see him in a playoff environment because the Ravens' defense is really good. Their offense is really gross, but that would be a great litmus test. Just Willis, his that would be his fifth game as... No, it would be his sixth game as a starter. Playoffs, a really tough, nasty defense that is really good against the run, which is strength. Let's see what you got with no help around you. I would love nothing more than that. Now, it's almost certainly not going to happen. But Well, you never know. I mean, I don't want <laughs> to confuse all of our listeners thinking that optimism just creeped into this podcast as the fourth person. But, you know, we, we would be remiss if we didn't at least look at that possibility. Yeah, and again, like... I'm not sitting here going, oh, I'd rather lose than us be good. But it's like, no, just knowing that there is no upside for us winning and making the playoffs. It's just because we have no punch on either side of the ball. Like 2019, we had the offensive punch. Last year, we had the defensive punch. This year, it's not. Like if we had some way of winning a game, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Let's take, let's take our chance, have a dark horse run. But we just don't have, we just don't have that firepower. And now after that Long side tangent about just how this team that has won had seven straight winning seasons and was poised to have or had six straight winning seasons was poised to have a seventh to have its third division title a month ago and how it all went wrong. Let's get back to injury report, which I think (laughs) is longer than ever. So Dennis Daly was a DMP, not injury related. So I guess they were resting him because he really needs he really needs all the help he can get for Saturday. 
He was getting Poor mental guy. mental counseling. He he was getting some mental health. Nate da- Nate Davis is probably out for the year. He got rolled up pretty nastily, like Henry's forearm fell into his calf. And since he's a free agent, he was a third round pick. I'm sure he's not going to rush back because there's no upside to him coming back early and getting hurt again. So Nate Davis out for the year. So yay, our second best offensive lineman is out for the year. Fulton is still DMPs with a groin injury. He's he's definitely out for this game. Ben Jones, I mentioned earlier, we're going to have to find a new center in the offseason. He, he's got his second concussion in the span of about six weeks. He's in concussion protocol, hasn't practiced all week. He's definitely going to miss this game. And maybe the Cowboys game too, because the Cowboys game is Thursday, so it's on a shorter week. And so we all think that... He, there's a good chance Ben Jones retires because he's been an Iron Man up until this year. But two concussions that make you miss games in like five, six weeks is, is a worrying sign. Raiden's, it came out today, he tore his ACL, so he's done for the year, sadly. They did this weird thing where they rotated him and Daly. I think Raiden's came in near the end of the first quarter and then he played yeah, totally towards ACL. Yeah, what was that? I don't know, but we looked better. Like, the one touchdown drive we had was with, Ra- was with Raiden's out there. I just want to know, like, why did it take so long? Because we all know... Like daily, it's impossible to be worse. And with Raiden's, like he's your a young second round pick. He was drafted to be your left tackle of the future. Like, why did you not try it until this point? Because yeah. like you can, it's not like you can be worse. Well, it's so stupid. They interviewed him last week, and he's like, "Yeah, I'm more, I'm more of a natural fit at left tackle, um, and that's where I feel most comfortable." Like, hello, coaching staff, are you are you live? Like, do you have a pulse? Are you not hearing this? Are you not seeing what we're putting on the field? Why are you not giving this kid a shot? I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think Dennis Daly is worth his draft card. But um, I, I, I mean, <laughs> that's how that's how much we don't like Dennis Daly. I'm literally just naming him when we're talking about other players. But Raidens, I don't think he's very good. I don't ever put a lot of stock into the small small school offensive linemen who maybe look the part. I don't do that, and I, I think he is that that stereotypical small school player who doesn't project to anything but the kid's six foot eight i think put him at left tackle why are you trying him at guard he's not gonna pull he's not gonna do things quick he's more of like a, a, a yeah traditional how did it take him long to figure that out last year he had a jump in for taylor one as a rookie and he actually looked kind of decent there so yeah he handled both how is he that miss castle how yeah. do they not know that they're stupid yeah and i i haven't watched I mean, he probably played eight, ten snaps before he got hurt since he came in late. But it did feel like the offense was humming better. Like, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that we marched down the field for a touchdown when he was in at left tackle. And then he got hurt, and then we immediately sputtered out. And so that sucks for him because, I mean, he's just partially because I guess he hasn't been performing well enough in camp, but he's never had a chance to start. Felt like he might have had a chance now, but, I mean, he's out for the year. He won't be back till later next season. So Tannehill, we already talked about. Paul, Car- Paul Karski reported that he's probably done for the year i mean he looked really hurt he looked in a lot of pain on that quarterback sneak for the touchdown partially because derrick henry just blew him up in the back partially because i mean both ankles have to be just so messed up and then autry he got upgraded to a full participant today so it looks like we'll have autry back which is huge uh Avery is has been limited all week with, with the concussion i'm not sure how that how that'll go with him being active because I know he missed last game with a concussion, but I'm not sure because usually you see guys are generally like a full participant all week getting out of the concussion protocol. But if he's back, that would be awesome. Brewer is limited. Amani Hooker got downgraded. I think he's going to be out this week. He got downgraded with a knee injury, which I think is what he missed last game with. Simmons got downgraded with an ankle injury. This might just be a weird rest day thing since today is Wednesday and it's a short week. I mean, he's been banged up. He's obviously not been 100%. And 
the singular good news of our injury report, which is, I think I counted it earlier today, was 18 players, and over half of them were starters. And it included literally the entire offensive line, all the starters plus Raiden's. The only good news is that Traylon Burks is going to be back. Well, I think we should get Cunningham back too, right? Yeah, if that's cool. a if that's a positive. Yeah, because I mean, Dylan Cole is probably going to be out because he's back to back DMPs and he looked in a lot of pain. And Who is going to even play in this game Saturday? Yeah, I'm because, I'm, yeah, I'm bringing my pads to the game just in case. Yeah, on Sunday we had an undra- we had some practice squad guy number fifty. I don't even remember his last name. He came in because Dylan Cole got hurt, and then he got hurt too. Or he yeah. He, he like, Why would these players go through this? It's a jinx. This is terrible. It's yeah, a joke. Then, yeah. Josh Thompson, who we signed a couple weeks ago, he's in concussion protocol. He's going to be out. Some of this stuff, like a concussion, I don't think a training staff can really like make a concussion not happen. But it's like we talked about when you're. Back-to-back years, the most one of the most injured teams in the NFL. Like last year, we used the most players ever. This year, I mean, these last couple weeks with how we're falling apart, we might be trying to reset the record again. What did we set at last year, 94? Last year was 91, but we had 86 after week 12, so we kind of slowed down down the stretch. Early on, it was really bad, so I mean, overall, we might... I mean, just just every week someone gets hurt. Then for Houston, Nico Collins is going to be out. He's missed the past several games. Kenyon Green, their first round pick who plays left guard, he's going to be out, which is going to hurt their offensive line. Other than that, they should be at full strength. Brandon Cooks is finally back. He's missed a bunch of games, and it just seems like it was just playing it safe because they know they have nothing to to play for and they don't want to risk a draft pick but he'll be back and it's just it's gonna be a really gross game because the texans they've been hot but they haven't been pretty and then just i mean we spent 25 minutes talking about all our injuries and that's making our offense even worse so it's not gonna be pretty this is probably gonna set a record since i started actually following the titans this will be the most amount of players i see on the field that i won't be able to name or recognize because <laughs> like that because like that number 50 guy was on the field and he was obviously a linebacker that we had pulled up because everyone's hurt I, it I is like had, that I scene no in major idea. league big fella it's like who the hell is that yeah i i remember that exact same thought going through my head i was like i don't know who that guy is if landon um, doesn't know and big fella doesn't know who it is the guy is off the street yeah and the, the same thing happened in the chiefs game when chris Conley was on the field the three of us were there with your dad with your dad nathan pop and the Willis threw to 19, we were all scratching our heads until the announcer <laughs> said Chris Conley. Yeah, well, I think you're talking about Jack Gibbons, number 50. Oh, yeah, that he's, must be. He's a rookie out of Minnesota. That lines up, so... Yeah, we, I mean, we might see Cunningham get activated. <laughs> they opened up his window last week, so he would still have until next week. But, I mean, it's so... Just with the way the season's going, I don't think Dave Long's coming back this year off IR. Chance Campbell won't. Uh, Kyle Phillips won't. So, pretty much... Yeah, Chance roster... Campbell. Jeez, we haven't... We didn't see him all year. No, and that really bummed me out, because I was hoping he would be the third guy, because he was getting hyped up a lot. Yeah. But, yes, yeah, so, I mean, this is the longest injury... Do they hit these guys' knees when they walk into Baptist Sports Park? How do, this is... A absurd 18 guys <laughs> this is so dumb i don't know it, it can't be a coincidence at this yeah, point. that's their medical medical evaluation can you take a sledgehammer to the knee and i and know play? it's football but good grief if i was an agent and somebody called uh, one of my clients and was like yeah good the titans need you i'd be like you're not going there are you kidding <laughs> it'll be eight months of rehab and now. there's something in the water yeah and so just to round off this just abysmal injury report which, all right, so just here's the offensive line and what it probably will be on Saturday. Oh, assuming do that Ben Jones and Davis, Nate Davis are definitely out. It'll be Daly at left tackle, Corey Levin 
at left guard. They'll kick Brewer into center. Jordan Roos finished the game for Nate Davis at right guard last week and then Petit Ferrer at right tackle. And that brings me back to the earlier point way long ago I made about how Henry this week in fantasy feels like a trap because yes, he owns the Texans and I would love to see him have his fifth straight 200-yard game, but it's like, did you just hear the offensive line I gave you? It's like, at some point, no matter how good a running back is, he still has to have bloggers in front of him. And we have two practice squad guards, the worst left tackle in the league, the lightest offensive lineman in the league playing center, and a really raw, really bad right tackle. So it's like, I mean, this is, this has to be one of the worst offensive lines put on an NFL field in a good while. <laughs> Boy, this is quite the podcast, boys, but this is where yeah, we Merry are. Christmas, we're, 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 we got to hit it till you're real. Yeah. Merry Christmas. All right, guys, they announced a Pro Bowl today. Three Titans. Uh, let me know what you think. We'll start with you, John. Snubs, yes, no. How do you how do you think it went? Uh, was it fair? Um, I think it's fair. I mean, you with your, your Pro Bowlers, we're talking about Derrick Henry. We're talking about uh, Jeffrey Simmons and long snapper Morgan Cox. I mean... Honestly, with long snappers, I think it's just a matter of it's, it's got to be a coin flip. You know, it's, they're, they're it's not name brand yeah. because I want to say like he was the long snapper for the Ravens who have the reputation of being this great special teamer organization. So he made it. Then he signed with us. And I think he's made the Pro Bowl back to back years. And it's like you can't really tell. I mean, at this point, it's like it's just name brand and just getting lucky, like you said, because it's like, is there really a difference between like the best and like the 10th best long snapper? Yeah, I mean, it's so not, it, not it, to it, disparage their skill, but it's like you can't really say like definitively this guy is better than this guy yeah i mean and then when you look at the rest of the team like most of the other people we would mention as possible pro bowl selections haven't played more than like eight games uh, the one guy that i think could have maybe snuck in there is Danico autry but even then he missed the last four or five i mean you can't really do that with a pro bowl rot with a pro bowl um yeah, and byard's had a down year with the pass rush being banged yeah. up and all the corners being hurt yeah definitely so i think uh, unfortunately they got it right i mean coincidentally those are the two of my most recent jerseys you know derrick henry and jeffrey simmons so those are the those are the big name guys for us, and I mean you can't really put much else on uh, out there on the field. I mean I think if they had opened it to more punters, um, I think Stonehouse would have been there. He got selected as an alternate, which is great for him. But yeah, I mean that's really all you can hang your hat on with this roster. The Pro Bowl is always kind of a joke because one, the voting process is really dumb, and two, the way they do positions is super dumb. So they break up safety. So there's only one free safety, which might be why Bayer didn't make it. So there's only one free safety. There's two strong safeties. Why? Nobody knows. <laughs> they break up outside linebackers and defensive ends. Except the problem is all the outside linebackers that get voted in are the pass rushing outside linebackers with big sack numbers. Both those positions are edge. So the linebackers in each conference, they only have two, there's only two inside linebacker spots. So the edge rushers have like seven spots between like the four defensive ends and the three outside linebackers, and the linebackers get two. And then on offense, there's three receivers. There's four receivers. I mean, there's three running backs. There's four receivers. There's two tight ends. There's only three tackles. There's three guards and there's two centers. And just in general, I know like people like to get talked about because it, it is an accolade that shows up like on Pro Football Reference and it's a part of a player's career and all that stuff. But it's like, there's so many times where you just look at a player, it's like, is he really a Pro Bowl or is it just like, was he on a really good team? Like the Eagles, awesome team. Miles Sanders 
should not have made the Pro Bowl over Christian McCaffrey, which Christian McCaffrey not making it has to be one of the bigger snubs I can think of because he has been... Especially the last three weeks, he's looked amazing. Well, no, even beyond that, like he's consistently been really good all year. He hasn't missed any games. He's on a really good team. And it's like Miles Sanders, has he had a good year? Yeah. He's playing behind the best offensive line on the most stacked offense in football. And his production is worse than Christian McCaffrey. He got more votes than Miles Sanders. So it's like the players and the coaches voted for Miles Sanders more than Christian McCaffrey, which kind of says all you need to know. And then just the yeah. offensive yeah, offensive line voting is always a joke because it ends up just being the big names and the good teams. Like Orlando Brown made it and he's not good. Like every Chiefs fan I see and I talk with is is really peeved off at him and they're happy to see him walking free agency. But he made it because he's on the Chiefs and so it's like outside the big names, it's like, well, who's the best player on a good team? And it's kind of the same thing with Landon Dickerson for the Eagles. Like Dickerson has been like solid, but he hasn't been like a pro bowler, but the Eagles are awesome. They're everywhere. They're going to get a bunch of pro bowlers. So it's just like, I mean, I don't mind it. And I am the slightest, very tiny bit interested in seeing how they do the flag football thing, because they finally realized that having the pro bowl game, quote unquote, where everyone is just half-assing it looks really bad. And so they just made a lot more like fun games into it. So I'm a, I'm a tiny bit interested, but the Pro Bowl is just one of those things where it's like no one really cares, especially in this age of like advanced analytics and having all this film available, like more like non people in the league can know who the good and bad players are. Like they don't need the Pro Bowl. Well, guys, let's talk about the rest of this weekend. Going to be an interesting schedule course. It's uh, Christmas weekend, so we play on Saturday. There are only three games on Sunday. Quickly, guys, what are you looking forward to? outside of nashville most this weekend i you know i think if all of our our rooting interests are that the the jets beat the living tar out of jaguars tomorrow night just because that makes things a little bit easier for us and i never want to i never want to see the jaguars win there's one i'm gonna i I really want to see but i'm gonna let it for you let you talk about it because i know you're going to outside of that the uh, obviously i think the dallas philly game is going to be really interesting you know you're I don't think Dallas can catch them in the division. Maybe they can. It, um, no, yeah, it's still possible, but it would take them. So Dallas has to win out and Philly has to lose out for that to happen, which seems really unlikely. Unlikely. Could happen. Who knows about the Jalen Hurts yeah, injury I wish, status. And... I wish Hurts were fully healthy because this would be a really good game. Like two top five-ish teams just going blow for blow in a dome, just both at their best. But Hurts is out. We get to see Minshew Mania, which is kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with that. The other one, too, uh, you know, I mean, the football world is mourning today after the loss of Franco Harris last night. Um, and it was just a few days short of the anniversary of the Immaculate Reception. I was going to say the catch, but it's not the catch. And it, it happens to be the Steelers against the Raiders, which was the matchup for the Immaculate Reception. Um, and they were actually planning to retire his jersey or his number at, uh, during the game. So a really historic moment and, you know, obviously a lot of undertones with him passing just last night. So that's a, an interesting game to watch, especially with both teams, six and eight kind of consolation prize. I don't, they're pretty much, I think they're all but eliminated from playoff contention. Maybe they're yeah, not. It would be, it wouldn't, they would need a lot to go right because right now the Dolphins are pretty much locked in and won the spots unless they just collapse. And then... Other than that, I want to say, well, actually, no, I, I mean, especially since the Raiders beat the Patriots and they'll have that tiebreaker, they're both technically still in it. It'll probably end up being the seven seed is a nine and eight team with how things have kind of broken. But like 
Chargers, Dolphins, and then Ravens or Bengals is likely to be the wild cards. But I mean, a playoff push isn't out of the question, especially because I do think Raiders have some tiebreakers over the other teams. Yeah, it's more at this point, they're just playing for pride. You said they were retiring Franco Harris's jersey. I'm surprised. I feel like they would have retired it by now. I would have thought so too. But yeah, they're apparently doing that this weekend. Yeah, and that, that was in the strange. plans all along. And so, Big Phil, thanks for leaving this game for me. <laughs> we know you too well. Lions at Panthers. I knew it. So, Detroit doesn't need to win out to make the wild card after starting 1-6, and six, which would mean they would have gone 10-1 and one down the stretch, with the one being a last-second loss to the Bills on a last-second field goal. But winning out ensures it. And this would be a really good litmus test because Jared Goff has been awesome at home in the Dome. And he's been really bad outside. Now, Carolina isn't supposed to be getting hit. Now, Carolina isn't supposed to be getting hit with this brutal cold weather we're getting. Like, it's not going to be this cold here or up north. But it's going to be a bit chilly. But... Detroit, their defense has really stepped up. It's gone from one of the worst to pretty solid. The offense is getting healthy. James and Williams is starting to get more snaps. And this is a team where, I mean, if they get a bad matchup, like if they get the Niners in the first round, that would be really tough. But otherwise, like if they get any of the any of the other division winners, like they got a chance. I mean, they, I want to say they play, they beat Minnesota handedly and they lost pretty closely the first time. Like if they draw Minnesota again, that's a really winnable matchup. And just to go from one and six with so many heartbreaking losses to ten and one down the stretch, making the playoffs, and like I said earlier when talking about you need something to you need a way to win with. Their offense is quietly, or maybe it's not quietly because they've been so good. It's quietly just so variable on how they can beat you, especially since Charker and James and Williams are healthy. Because the offensive line is awesome. They can do the short stuff with Amon Ra and Dubinoff Swift. They've been making it work with all these makeshift tight ends since they traded Hawkinson. They've got James and Williams and Chark going deep. They have Raymond as a speed option. The defense is doing all right. They're a really fun team, and unless they get the Niners, I think they'll have a pretty good chance of getting an upset in the wildcard round. And so they win this game. They're in really good position because then they play Chicago, who is trying to take an and keep the second overall pick. And then they play at Green Bay, which the NFL story writers would love because it would be the Lions, depending on how things go, it could be the Lions finally getting the Rodgers monkey off their back, eliminating the Packers from the playoffs at Lambeau to punch their own ticket to the playoffs. Hmm. Yeah, Dan the Man Campbell has done a pretty damn good job at turning that team around. Yeah, I think he could have lost that team, and they just kept believing, and uh, they've been dialing it up lately. It's going to be, and I'm glad we have the Lions to keep Landon's interest the last month of the season. <laughs> yeah, is that it, boys? I, yeah, pretty much. I was, I was about to make a passing joke about the Christmas Day slate sucking, but nah. No, make it. Yeah, and then on Christmas Day, there it's really weird, Nathan. You said there's three games scheduled. There's only one. I see Packers Dolphins at noon, which sounds really fun because it'll be in Miami, so it won't be freezing cold, and we'll see some good offenses. The rest of the day is clear which is really weird <laughs> big belly feel the same way it's i know that they they should have flexed something because they you know and you see their logic uh, this summer or this spring when they made that but boy they did that schedule did not age well i don't know i i'm, I'm curious to know because I, I think traditionally christmas day is for nba right there are a lot of nba games on yes there's usually like five i don't i you know i don't know about nfl viewership i i no, i'd just be it, come on it's the it's the nfl they're gonna walk away with the with the viewings anyway especially because these are all one at a time like you don't have to pick a pick between a game and it's christmas day everyone's indoors you just flip on the nfl game 
You'd and, think so. And I think th- this year, it'll kind of give a little bit more credence. It'll give credence to that. And you better believe the next time that Christmas falls on a Sunday, they'll, they'll be flexing safer. games like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Broncos and Rams is loosely classified as a football game. <laughs> and then. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's poopy. Yeah, the last two games, it's like a bunch of bad football, but it's not like it's not bad, fun football. It's not like two teams with really bad defenses to where it's like they're just scoring at will. And it's embarrassing watching this product on the NFL, but it's fun because points are being scored. It's like all these offenses suck and the defenses are competent enough to where it's just really boring and neither team is trying to do too much. And it's just a snooze fest. Yeah, I mean, people are going to want to see if Tom Brady can make some Christmas magic. But other than that, (laughs) woof. Yikes. Well, yep. you see the stars, you see the brands, you see their logic, but man, yikes. Brady did not look good last weekend. Yeah, they, they bet, and it went very, very, it went really wrong. That's Tennessee Titans talk for this week. We got you ready for Texans Titans. I know we can did, be hard well, well, did we? Did we get everybody ready? <laughs> yeah, mentally prepared. <laughs> we got you ready. I think our fan base can commiserate with us. We love this team. Don't ever think otherwise, but it is a bit of a tough slog. A win would help. Even against the Texans, I want to see some heart. We've seen heart from the Texans. Let's see it from our Titans. I bet we will. Uh, we'll see those of you that are going to brave it. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to everybody that listens to the Tennessee Titans talk. We appreciate you guys listening. We have so much fun doing this. We're very grateful for each other and all of you. And you two guys, Merry Christmas. Tighten up. Merry Christmas and tighten up. Tighten up and hats off to all of you that are tough enough to brave these elements.